Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Backblaze Online Backup. It's a simple way to back up all your movies, photos, music, videos, and all of the data just for $5 a month. It's simple, and you can access all your data online from wherever you are. Try it absolutely free by going to backblaze.com slash cpc. That's B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E dot com slash cpc. If you need me to smell cpc, man, you're in trouble. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, Comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Garneau and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. In honor of the Nerdalogs launching our podcast mentoring program, I thought it would be fun to dive into the archives of some of our classic shows and unearth the first recorded bits that we ever made for them. Today, that means looking at the very first episode of Your Stories, which released on December 10th, 2011, about six and a half years ago. This show was recorded at the now-closed Fizz Bar, in a giant room so cold we had to keep our coats on. You can find photographic evidence of that. The wood floor had a super great bass drum sound, though, as you're about to hear. Um, you'll notice a lot of what the show became was already set here. Songs at the top and bottom, story slots as the meat of the sandwich. In those early days, there were a lot more bits mixed in with the stories, including stuff the Nerdalogs themselves were working on, which is why there's a super long pilot reenactment of Prison Break towards the end of this episode. Do you remember Prison Break? 2011 does. Uh, which, by the way, for about a year or so, we didn't theme our shows at all, making them totally open for submissions, so there's zero cohesiveness to any of the pieces you're about to hear, including the songs. Dwight and I just played whatever we were vibing at the time. Oh yeah, and Dwight and I were still the house band. Forever. So, also interesting is that the first two story slots on this show, our first episode ever, remember, were taken up by folks who would eventually join the Nerdalogs, Steve Persh and Claire Friedman. The third slot is a fantastic piece by Mary Z, who ended up becoming a Your Stories mainstay as well, and the fourth slot's from then-Nerdalogs member Caitlin Costello. So this show was pretty interestingly prophetic and representative of the Nerdalogs as a whole, even though it just kind of congealed that way. Of course, the audio quality isn't nearly as good as it would later get, and there's a lot to be desired with the production and editing, so sorry about that. Um, podcasting felt different back then, 
I didn't have any ambition for the show other than I liked it and I wanted to record it. I don't think I'd approach another show the same way in 2018, but uh, seven years in, I'm pretty happy I did with this one. So speaking of shows in 2018, remember, if you've got a show you're burning to make, the Nerdalogs want to know about it. Remember to get your submissions into the Nerdalogs podcast mentoring program by this Friday, April 20th. The link is in the notes to this episode, as well as on our website at nerdalogs.com. It's the second news item, and it's on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash nerdalogs. We've got an absolutely incredible crop of submissions already, and we're so excited to hear from you. And now here we go, back to December 2011 and a cold, cold room above a failed business on Lincoln Avenue. Hey everybody, my name is Eric Arnell, and welcome to the first of hopefully many episodes of the Nerdalogs Present Your Stories podcast. This show is recorded live at the monthly Your Stories event at the Pub Theater, 3220 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. It features completely audience-generated content. Instead of the comedians in the Nerdalogs performing sketches they prepared, audience members are asked to come up and tell a story, sing a song, or even try out bits of their own about times that they felt especially nerdy. The show currently takes place the third Sunday of every month, so if you'd like to take part in the next one and possibly be a part of this podcast, please check us out on December 18th. Today's episode features four veteran Chicago actors, improvisers, directors, and storytellers sharing their experiences. First up, Steve Perth shows us how his uncanny attention to song lyrics can lead down a dark road. Claire Friedman then reflects on what it means to hold on to your passions as you grow up. Mary Zemitis talks about being a nerd for Jesus, and Nerdalogs member Caitlin Costello learns to embrace the comforts of home while studying abroad. You'll also hear musical accompaniment from myself and Dwight Hassler of the band Take Cover. The stories here are only one part of our December episode. Come back on December 15th for more great Your Stories. Now, without further ado, welcome to the show.
like a game show from Christy with a party in. I cannot believe my eyes when I saw through the force of trust in friend and even humor me and tell me lies. Yeah, humor me and tell me lies. And all I do and say I don't mind. And as we see, so shall we find. Please welcome Steve Hirsch, everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Steve Hirsch. As a lot of you know, uh, I take song lyrics very seriously. <laughs> uh, so, 
when uh, when I get into a song and if I don't know all the lyrics, I'll, I'll Google it and I'll look up all the lyrics. And, and once I'm on the internet, uh, it's easy to find like conspiracy theories about songs. Like if you play this Black Sabbath song backwards, you'll hear these devil messages. Uh, gangster rap causes inner city violence. And for the most part, I really didn't believe those those urban legends about songs. But then last week I was at work and listening to Pandora like I normally do. And, uh, and I heard uh, one of these demonic songs. And it, it surprised me because it was, it was a famous pop artist and, and I didn't expect to hear these satanic messages uh, coming from a pop artist that I'm sure all of you, you know. And I think I figured out how, how to really show that there is a hidden evil message inside of the song. And, and I just need a volunteer, a brave lady in the audience to come up here, and I think I'll be able to demonstrate for everyone <laughs> the hidden evil message. We have a volunteer here. And I'm Steve, what's your name? Trisha. Trisha? Great. Uh, just have a seat right here. Uh, uh, Trisha, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be reading the lyrics of this, this terrible song, and, and I don't want uh, the evil to affect you too strongly, so I want you to, to look out at the audience, because if you look at me, you might, uh, you might become possessed by uh, So, uh, I'll, I'll do my best to channel the vocalist, uh, but, but there's a good chance that the Elzebub is going to take over. <laughs> so just be prepared for that. Uh, so, so what I figured out is that if you switch the genders in this song, it's very clear uh, the, the evil message. And I, I don't want you to, to feel alone and threatened. So, <laughs> I'd like you to hold this stuffed animal and, and perhaps it'll protect you. Um, Jesus. Alright, now, uh, I don't know why I'm wearing this. Um, it's cold. Now, it's cold, yeah. Alright, now, uh, prepare yourself for the unspeakable evil. <laughs> That is Kesha's Tannable. <laughs> I have a heart, I swear I do, but just not, baby, when it comes to you. I get so hungry when you say me love me. Hush, if you know what's good for you. I think you're hot, I think it don't look. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you're hot, I think you're cool. You're the kind of girl I'd stalk in school. But now that I'm famous, you're up my anus. Now I'm going to eat you, full actual lyrics. I eat girls up, breakfast and lunch. Then when I'm thirsty, I drink their blood. Carnivore animal, I am a cannibal. I eat girls up, you better run. I am a cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. I am a cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. I eat you up. I am a cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. I am, I am a cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. I'll eat you up. Whenever you say I'm pretty, that's when the hunger really gets me. Your little heart goes pitter-patter. I want your liver on a platter. I'll use your finger to stir my tea, and for dessert I'll suck your teeth. Be too sweet and you'll be a goner. Yes, I'll pull a Jeffrey Dahmer. Cause I eat girls up, breakfast and lunch. Then when I'm thirsty, I drink their blood. Carnivore animal, I am a cannibal. I eat girls up, you better run. I am a cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. I am a cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. I'll eat you up. I am a cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. I am, I am a cannibal, cannibal. I am, oh, 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 oh. 
I am a cannibal. A cannibal. I'll eat you up. I love you. Ha ha ha. I warned you. Ra. Oh wow. so much for coming up and, and demonstrating with me the evil that is Kesha. <laughs> One more round of applause. Now, I hope that message stays with you and, and friends. Don't let friends listen to Kesha. <laughs> Uh, coming next to the stage, we have a veteran storyteller who will be starting her own story night at the Upstairs Gallery uh, in December. Claire Friedman, everybody. Sitting in a chair this uh, So, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to think of what I was going to talk about this month. Um, and it was one of those things where I kept trying to think of something and I, I totally already knew. And I was just in complete denial. Because... A big part of being a nerd is having that thing that you love and pretending you don't really love it that much uh, to other people and trying to hide that thing. And that thing for me, for many, many years, um, as demonstrated by the sweatshirt I'm wearing to stay warm, uh, was speech in high school. Um, (laughs) um, So I was really, really, really into speech. Uh, And it wasn't like eight people who get together and don't look exactly right. We had a 100-person team. We had 120 people try out each year and would take 20 people. Uh, If you look at my high school's Wikipedia page, you can scroll down to activities. And the third thing listed is um, athletics. The second thing listed is our fine arts program. And the first largest multi-paragraph section is just forensics. Um, Really, really into it. (laughs) Um, and I was captain, and I was like, so, you know, national tournaments. And the reason that I'm thinking about it is because this is the first national tournament of the entire year um, up in Glenbrooks, which I was just coaching because my little brother is now competing. Um, and it was very, very odd to go there because the, the longer, uh, the more time passes from being in that place, the more disconnected I feel from that world. And... I, I really only touch base with them once a year during this tournament when I go up and coach. And it's so weird walking into this thing that I loved so much and was such a huge part of my life and I was completely obsessed with and going back and realizing that I don't really love it anymore and kind of having a, a, a sense of loss from this activity that I did. And I mean, I, I first experienced that when I went to college and I was like, oh yeah, I did speech. We were really, really into that. And people looked at me and went, uh, what? You did what? Nobody cares. Nobody understood like the cult that it was and how cool we were for doing that. No one believed me when I said we were cool for doing that. It probably wasn't true in the first place. But it's this huge sense of feeling like I don't know who these people are anymore. And I don't know what their deal is or what they're doing. And I, and I taught a bunch of... I coached a bunch of these kids and I... I realized that these were people who were filled with the same obsession and the same love that I was filled with, and I, I didn't have it anymore. And I felt like it was like playing through an entire video game or finishing the last Harry Potter book or seeing an ex who's it's been years since you've seen, and you realize, I remember loving that, but I don't anymore. 
And I asked my little brother when I was coaching them, because I kept pushing these kids to make sure that they were caring about what they were saying. And I was like, Andrew, who's my little brother, I said, Andrew, how much do you care about this? Tell me how much you care about it. He was like, I, I care. I was like, no, Andrew, convince me that you care. Convince me right now that this piece, that I should spend 10 minutes sitting here wasting my time watching you. Convince me how much you care. And he looked at me and he said, okay, um, I haven't been uh, home from school before 10 o'clock every single night, and I did really, really badly on an AP URL test, and I didn't do very well at my debate tournament because I was working so hard on this, and I haven't been sleeping well, and I've been doing all my homework in study hall and not at home, and Dad's probably going to get really mad at me and yell at me when he finds out how bad I did on that test, um, but I'm doing that for this thing. And I was like, okay, that's how much you care, and that's how much you need to show me that you care. And saying that to him was so odd because I didn't care. (laughs) And the strangest thing as I was driving home was that I replaced that hole in my life that speech was with improv and with comedy and realizing that 10 years from now I could feel the same way about all this. Is that I could show up to a show or show up to a performance and say, oh, I remember when I cared about that. I remember when I did that thing. That was, that was a weird time in my life, wasn't it? <laughs> and maybe once a year I'll go back to that place and remember how much it was to care so much about this weird thing that we do. So much that it hurts. So much that it's your whole life and it's all your friends and it's everything that you build up your, yourself for for the week. And then that thing happens and then it's done. And then you fill it with something else. Or someone else. And you move on. And maybe that next thing will be something that you have for your entire life. Maybe it won't. As long as you can keep caring about something that much and fill your whole self with it, something, anything, you'll be okay. Claire Friedman, everybody. Thank you very much. Next up, we've got... um, Another another veteran storyteller also starting her own storyteller series. I feel like you guys shouldn't be sitting next to each other because you're going to come to blows eventually. Uh, Mary Zemanis, everybody. Uh, her series is called Mortified, by the way, also starting in December. I didn't start it, though. I'm just in it. Oh, in it. Okay. Yay. I don't want to take credit. Yeah, okay, so Claire doesn't have to be that like worried about you. No, she's, she's still more awesome than I am. So. Oh, never. Oh. <laughs> um... Hello, everyone. Uh, So when I was in high school, I was a very specific type of nerd. I was a Jesus freak. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) I was a bona fide member of the God Squad. (laughs) Um, So, like, in high school, like, that's that's what you're supposed to rebel and be angsty against your parents. You, You experiment with drinking, drugs, and, like, sex and all that fun stuff. But to this day, I'm still someone, I am terrified of breaking rules. I, I live my life thinking that somewhere someone is like mad at me for, and I'm in trouble for something. Uh, so I wasn't about to start doing all of that stuff. So to rebel from my parents, I renounced Catholicism and decided to become very evangelical Christian. Um, I was going to piss them off by being more moral than they were. <laughs> and uh, 
So I joined, uh, I joined a non-denominational evangelical church called Hope Community uh, Bible Church. Uh, and it was like one of those like warm, fuzzy churches. And I liked it because instead of like kneeling and standing all the time, like kneeling and like listening to people talk, you just like sang fun songs. And like they like dealt with like your personal development and things like you were so important and it was all about your relationship with God and how you can be a better person. Um, and I totally ate that shit up. Um, I was totally bought that dogma, um, specifically the dogma relating to sexual purity. Um, in high school, in my wallet, I carried an ATM card. That stands for abstinence till marriage card. <laughs> what was your daily withdrawal limit? <laughs> um, <laughs> while most people in high school were trying to lose their V card. I proudly held it in my purse. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I totally loved it. I was involved in this youth group. Um, every, I went there every Sunday. And, you know, we'd learn about different topics um, and, like, do, like, fun games. I think I actually got sucked into it because um, my friends were like, hey, our youth group's having, like, a talent show. Do you want to, like, do stand-up? And I was like, okay. And then I realized I got... I kind of realized all of the God stuff behind it. Um, and then... Every summer we went to Bible camp, uh, Bear Lake Bible camp, um, and you know it was actually it was actually like a really fun experience because it's it's camp you're hanging out with people it's just like for four hours out of the day you're singing worship songs as well uh, to like making lanyards. Um, and Bear Lake Bible camp had a few rules when it came to guy girl interactions. Um, there was the six inch rule: uh, guys had to stay six inches away from girls. Um, and I never said this, but I was always thinking, like, so if a guy has a boner, is that, is that part of the six inches? <laughs> or did the six inches start from his erection? Uh, and uh, also, girls were not allowed to wear uh, spaghetti straps, and they had to wear one-piece bathing suits to, to ensure that they were modest and chaste. Um, but they also instated a weird rule in the middle of camp. Um, they told all of us, because uh, the... Uh, there were guys' cabins and girls' cabins, and there were bathrooms and like, connecting them. And we got told that um, at night, before we were going to go to sleep, if we were going to go to the, to the bathroom, like brush our teeth and go to the bathroom before bed, um, we had to still be wearing our regular clothes. We couldn't change into our pajamas and go to the bathroom because if the men saw us in our pajamas, they would think of having sex with us. <laughs> um, and like even at that time, I knew like. That's kind of bullshit. And like I mean, like why like why is it on like why is it on our shoulders to make sure that the guy the sixteen year old guys aren't thinking of sex? <laughs> I I quote Xander Harris from Buffy the Vampire. <laughs> I'm a sixteen year old boy looking at linoleum makes me wanna have sex. <laughs> um but I still, like, I, I listened to those rules because I held, I held them so dearly in my heart. Um, and also, in addition to camp, every fall, we went on a purity retreat uh, to Bear Lake. Yeah, we went to a purity retreat where it was pretty much like, how do you, like, remain chaste and, like, live your life by glorifying God and please don't have sex. Um, and at this particular retreat, um, there's one moment that sticks out most for me. Um, 
there were a lot of brothers and sisters in the youth group that went to this retreat together. Um, so during one of the, the discussions that we were having, the, the pastor leading the session asked all of the brothers and sisters to come to the front of the room. Um, he went down to each group of brothers and sisters and was like, uh, you know, Jamie, do you, do you love your sister? Yes, of course I love her. Uh, uh, do, you, do you love your brother? Oh, yes, of course I love him. And he did that to every single group. And then he got to the last, uh, the last pair of brothers and sisters and said, uh, do you love your brother? Oh, yes, of course I do. Do you love your sister? Oh, of course I do. And then he said, would you make out with your sister? And everyone was like, oh, no, that's so gross. And the pastor, like, everyone's, like, exploding, like, in, like, in laughter. And the pastor goes, well, if you wouldn't make out with your brother or sister, you shouldn't make out with your brother or sister in Christ. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, still such a smartass. I raised my hand. I said, "Well, I don't have brothers." So. <laughs> and uh, like, I still like, I still bought what they were selling. Um, and I decided that you know, I was at that time, I was going to live my life chasing pure, and I was going to, in all my actions, glorify God. Um, I am now 25 years old. I am agnostic, a feminist, mm-hmm. and I don't want to brag or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had sex. <laughs> and. Essentially how my current state came about was um, a, a crisis of faith, um, which started when the church held an emergency meeting of the congregation one Friday night, and it was revealed that Pastor Jamie, the head pastor, um, was going to be fired because his wife had found charges on his credit card statement to a massage parlor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? In his defense, I'm sure the prostitute was probably wearing pajamas at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't believe, he, he was immediately taken off, and I just couldn't believe that I had listened to this person, that I had followed these rules that he had set forth, rules that taught me that my body was bad and an instrument of sin, when even he couldn't follow those same rules. And if he was wrong about all that stuff, then maybe everything else was bullshit. Everything. And I decided at that moment that I wasn't going to live my life believing everything that they told me to. I was going, I could have my own personal morality according to what I believe. And I'm still a goody two-shoes, and I still stick to the rules. But they're my rules. <laughs> Thanks. You guys want to take like a moment to pray, or should we just keep going? <laughs> uh, all right, next.
Next up, we are, are lucky enough to have uh, a member from the troupe that hosts this event, the Nerdalogs, uh, is going to come up and speak. Caitlin Costello, everybody. Um, I'm normally a spectator at these things, so um, I thank you in advance for letting me take up slightly more time than normal. Um, I lived in London for a year after undergrad to study classical theater. And, because I was like, who knows classical theater? Those Brits. <laughs> um, and I, I think about it probably every day, because it was like the best period of my life. And I try, to, I try to like figure out what it was about that period of time that was so good, so I can keep feeling that in other things that I do. And one of the things that I, I constantly think about is how lonely I was, and how much I had to um, get used to myself and spending time by myself and, and really working at relationships because those, those Brits. <laughs> um, and and, and I, was, I was extremely busy, which helped <coughs> keep me, my mind off of how homesick I was. But um, one night a week I had off. Monday nights I had off, and I would do all my laundry, and I would cook for the week, and I would pack because it was, I was at theater like every day other than Monday nights. And on Monday nights, um, I was able to get the television show Prison Break. And um, it was the goddamn best thing I'd ever seen in my life. And, and I felt so much in love with this show because it was so good. I mean, this was like pre-home box office uh, channel. <laughs> And I talked about Chicago so much when I lived in London that there was an intervention. Like, we get it, Caitlin, we get it. But that's how much I love this city. So um, I was and thinking about London and, and missing it. Um, I, I went and I looked at the pilot episode of Prison Break, and um, God, I hate myself for loving that show so much. <laughs> so I asked, I asked the Nerdlog boys to all learn a part or a couple parts in a very, very slimmed-down version of this pilot episode. <laughs> and um, they're going to do it. Now, this, the shtick here is that um, this is completely unrehearsed, but I've encouraged everybody to make their own choices, and we're just going to go with it. Interior, tattoo parlor, night. <laughs> Set of sleeves all in a couple of months. Takes guys years to get the kind of ink you've done. I don't have a few years. <laughs> Wish the hell I did. <laughs> Exterior, <Yeah>. Chicago. <laughs> Take these newspaper clippings off this wall and put them in this box. <laughs> Computer and put that in the box. 
and go out on my balcony and throw it in the Woo! river. <laughs> Interior. Main bank, uh, main area of bank. Dead. Who's the bank teller? Are you the bank? Blah, blah, blah! The wall! Open it! Uh, uh, we can't, uh, uh, the manager's not here. Where is he? Oh, uh, he's, uh, it's lunchtime. He's at White Castle. White Castle? What is, White Castle? Uh, oh, it's, uh, it's a fast food restaurant. They serve those I, little I square burgers. I know what it is. Uh, uh, blah, blah, I'm not fucking uh, going to you. Uh, 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 well. <laughs> this is the police. We have you completely surrounded. Put down your weapon. <laughs> Interior courtroom. Dang. <laughs> uh, rarely in the case of armed robbery do we hear a plea of no contest. Are you sure about this, Mr. Schofield? I'm sure, Your Honor. Your Honor, we would like to take a recess. My client's a bit confused at the moment. I'm not, Your Honor. He is, Your Honor. <laughs> I'll retire to <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to retire to my chambers and uh, think about the sentencing court recesses until 1.30. Uncle Mike! <laughs> now I'm getting arrested. Uh, uh, you don't want to see me... Uh, get out of here, uh, LJ. Uh, you weren't supposed to see me like this. You were supposed to... Interior holding cells. Dead. Oh, God, I'm being... Walked through the <laughs> um, with somebody. Where's Veronica, my friend? Oh, there you go. You're the <sighs> Can you blame LJ? Huh? Oh, He's beginning yeah. to think that oh, anyone that he attaches himself to is going to end up in jail. And you know what? He's not the only one. <laughs> I know you. I know what you're doing. Look, we've gone over this before, Veronica. I don't, I don't, I need to do this. <laughs> Interior, courtroom, day. Uh, yeah, you've been good to me your whole life, but let me deal with this, okay? Courtroom. <laughs> Even though I'm lack of your prior criminal record, I'm inclined towards probation. However, the fact that you discharged a deadly weapon during the commission of the crime suggests malice to me. Mr. Schofield, it says here that you've requested to be incarcerated somewhere near your home in Chicago. I'm willing to honor that. There's only one level one facility. Level one, Your Honor, but that's maximum security. (laughs) I realize that. But the only level one prison near Chicago is Fox River State Penitentiary. (laughs) I believe that's somewhere near Aurora. Yeah. Uh, I'm settling at five years. You'll be eligible for parole in half that time. Sentence to be carried out. Okay, people, step inside the door. Keep line moving. Uh, name and back number? Uh, Schofield Michael 94941. You got it right! <laughs> You're a religious man, Schofield? Never thought about it before. Good. Because the Ten Commandments ain't worth the box of pissing here. <laughs> yeah, we only got two commandments, two only. Commandment number one. You ain't got thing go. And what's the second commandment? Seek commandment number one. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the side of your neck? Come again? 
You're trying to be a smart ass. No, I'm just trying to fly low, avoid the radar, boss. You know, do my time and then get out of here. Good. So there's no flying under my radar. Good to know. Interior, cell block, day. <laughs> get a brother, get some AC in here! <laughs> What you looking at, bitch? You look kind of pretty to be up in here. <laughs> I suggest you take a seat, fish. Ain't nothing doing here but serve time. Ain't no one to serve it for you. Uh, someone get checked. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Prisony Land, fish. <laughs> Here's how it goes. Bernardo's got the hoops. Artaniel's got the benches. Wood's got the weight pile, CEO's got the rest. Mm. Man, I tell you, guards are more crooked than we are in here. Mm. Only thing separating us and them is a badge. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, what up, wholesale? You, you okay? Oh man, you can call me greater later. Why you hanging around with that fish anyway, huh? My new Sally! <laughs> Listen, anything you want, he can get, okay? I'm looking for my... Alright, I'm looking for someone. Lincoln... Burroughs. Oh, you mean Link the Stink? <laughs> I mean Link the Sink. <laughs> it's, it's Link the Sink. Link the Sink. Is that what they're calling him now? Yeah, because he come at you with everything, including the sink, man. Mm. Uh, where can I find him? Man killed the vice president's brother. You ain't get to him. Is there any way I can see him? <laughs> <laughs> Guys locked down. Only time you see him, P.I. and Chapel. What's P.I.? Prison industry. Guys who get along, they get to work painting, scraping, making mattresses, uh-huh. whatever. Don't get too excited, fish. You ain't sniffing none of P.I. Man, why you want to find Burroughs anyway? He's my brother. <laughs> Interior, Michael Sells. I'm not work for love. What's the contest? Oh, you know, the kind of like, I ain't love you so much, I'm never gonna lock over another rip liquor store again that I love. Except classy. <laughs> I'm proposing to my wera if it's any business of yours. In a letter? You got a better way? Face to face works pretty good. The same is actually the most romantic spot, fish. I'm gonna put her on the Staten Island Ferry. By the time she gets to Empire State Building, boom! Reads the letter. It's just as good as being there. <laughs> Except, I will be there. <laughs> Why don't you try passion? Passion? That's dope! <laughs> How do you spell that? P A S H, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Interior, Fox River Infirmary. Dang. Tattoo looks fresh. Guess being diabetic, you don't mind needles very much. Okay, uh, I'm Michael, by the way. Scofield, <laughs> I read your report. And you are? Dr. Tim Cuddy will do. What are you, a doc? Serving a. You're in prison? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I like being part of the solution, not the problem. Be the change in the world that you want to be. Change that you want to see in the world. What? Oh my god, that was that was my senior grade quote. <laughs> <laughs>
Really? I thought that was Gandhi. Just so you know, trust doesn't mean anything in here. All right? The only way you're getting these insulin shots is if I'm the one administering them. Put the pressure on it. Guess I'll be seeing a lot of you then. Interior, cell block, Michael Sack. Passion! Oh, what were you thinking? Give it some time. He's gonna think I went sissy up in here. Give it some time. No, man, words with more than one syllable are gay. From now on, it's gonna be one syllable. Yes, no, love, hate, that's me. Ah, she'll come around. Something. Probably. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Man, we're supposed to have a conjugal on Tuesday. I ain't heard peep yet. You spooked her. Interior, Fox River visiting area day. And what if they send you to Taylor Marion and not here? I'll just be doing whatever, everything that I've been doing here, you know? Eating Jello, drinking Kool-Aid. Oh, I know what you're doing. You forget that I've known you your entire life, Schofield. Oh, it's not luck at the draw that you're in here with your brother. You have the most dysfunctional kind of love I've ever seen. What? So he beats you up so you stay off the street, and then you end up in Fox River with him. To what? To save him? I loved him too, you know. Yeah, past tense, maybe. I still love him. I gave him everything I had when I got back from college. Yeah, but don't you think maybe you hurt him when you left before? I talked to the bishop. He might be able to help him. You know, the Catholic bishop. Somebody wants him dead. You're grabbing at straws. Desperation. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, but I can't watch him die. I can't sit there and watch him die. Interior, Veronica's office, day. Bishop McMurrow was killed last night. (laughs) Someone shot him while he was sleeping. I thought you'd want to know. Thanks. Interior, conjugal room. Dang. <laughs> oh no! Why am I saying oh no? <laughs> oh no! Yes. Yes, yes! Yes, yes. Yes! <laughs> oh, mama! <laughs> but we have to do it in a church. You mean get married in a church? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Wouldn't want to mess with Catholic rules, would we? Uh, a Catholic church? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you went to Loyola? You been checking up on me? I'd like to get to know my patients. I went to Northwestern. I graduated a year after you did. Maybe we uh, ran into each other, you know? Got drunk at a bar together? I would have remembered that. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a compliment? No. (laughs) Uh, Hmm. 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 Wait. Oh, man. You have blood glucose on this machine. Oh. (laughs) Your blood glucose level is reading 50. Deciliters per liter! Jesus! Your body's reacting like you're not even a diabetic. 
Type 1 diabetes? You sure you got it? <laughs> Ever since I was a little kid. Interior, Fox River Conjugal Room. Day. Hey, so how'd you get here anyway? Oh, you know, Hector. What? <laughs> I didn't have any money for the bus, so he offered me a ride. He was really sweet. I don't like him. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honey, he's just a friend. You don't have anything to worry about. It's you that I'm marrying. Well, it's not you that I'm worried about. Oh, my gosh. 16 more months. That's it. I love you. Exterior, prison yard, dang. <laughs> Secret tells me you're the local pharmacy. What do you want, ma'am? <laughs> I don't speak English. Are you Bill Cosby? Yes, it's a it's an insulin blocker. Standard variety, standard over the counter variety. You can get in the pharmacy. What you can't get that at medical? No, I can't get it at medical. I'm already getting insulin shots. You won the messed up cracker. <laughs> I know. Close shot of Michael's <laughs> Zoom out to see that his tattoos are prison blueprints. <laughs> the end. <laughs> it's a really good show! <laughs> Alright, you guys, uh, we're gonna take it out.
This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.